everyone, and welcome to episode 162 of Connectivity. I'm Scott Thompson. Uh, today we have two segments for you. Uh, kicking the show off, myself, Mike, and Zach uh, go over the best music from Super Smash Brothers, including our submissions and your own. And after that, myself, Alex, and Neil uh, host a Game of the Year segment and also talk some news from the past week. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this segment of Connectivity. I am Scott Thompson, and today I'm with Mike Sklens. Woohoo! And Zach Miller. I know if I go, I'll be happy tonight. <laughs> and that, if you hear these names, that means it's motherfucking music time. Yeah. <laughs> that is right. Is that the name of the segment? Motherfucking music time? It should be. It is I, now. Hell yeah. It is, yeah. <laughs> I might name the episode that, but I don't know how we are with having, like, curse words <laughs> in, like, article titles on the front page of Nintendo World Report. I'll have to ask Neil. Yeah, I don't know, if, I, I don't know if iTunes will be uh, cool with that either. On oh, yeah, that's feed. true. Motherfucking oh, iTunes. Oh, the fucking man is keeping us down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, this segment, uh, this this time around, is focused on just some of the best uh, music from Super Smash Brothers, the whole series. Um, kind of like we've talked about leading up to the segment, there are a lot of great just, like, remixes and, like, uh, I guess, like, just reimagining of classic Nintendo music throughout Smash Brothers. And I did a little research. Remember, I, I was kind of wondering if the original Smash Brothers on N64 had, um, you know, sort of... I w- not, like, really remixes or anything like that, because it would still be using, like, you know, the N64 sound chips. You don't really expect yeah. too much. Um, More like arrangements, almost. Right, but I didn't know if it was going to be that or even just generic music. But I went and, and found the soundtrack for the N64 Smash Brothers. And, yeah, they, it actually did have, like... Um, yeah, like you said, sort of like new arrangements of, of classic songs. So like on the, the Hyrule Castle stage, it's, you know, it's like the, the classic, uh, Zelda theme. Um, there was like the, uh, sort of like a new, yeah, arrangement of the classic, uh, 1-1 Mario theme. Um, and things like that. So yeah, it did actually have music, uh, inspired by the games, which the characters were pulled from. So I was kind of impressed. I thought for sure it would just be like generic, um, you know, just music. But no, they, they went the extra mile with that one too, so. Pretty good. Like, they've been looking from the start, I guess you could say, of Smash Bros. to really kind of make this game like an anthology of Nintendo. Yes. Yeah. And they've, I mean, if you look at this new Smash Bros. game, that is what it is. They've built up so much stuff around this game, like trophies and all these music tracks and everything. It's just insane. Were there tr- were there trophies on the N64? I don't remember. I don't think uh... there were. I think no, those I were introduced think in Melee. Those started in Melee. I feel yeah. like, I, I've always felt like the N64 game was kind of like, haha, let's try this weird thing. And then, I, I don't even know how well it sold, because it was a late Nintendo 64 game. But then, I and then with Melee. It did pretty well. Oh, it did do pretty well. Well, it must have been did, well yeah. enough that somebody said, let's put a lot of money behind Melee. And then Yeah, it's, they put a lot of money behind Melee. I feel like Melee was really where it started to get real. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, Even in Melee, the, I think most of the stages had alternate music tracks. There was just no control. Like, if you were lucky, yeah. the, beach, the alternate track would play. Sometimes. I think that's right. Sorry, I was looking at... Uh, with only a small budget and little promotion, Super Smash Bros. was intended to be released only in Japan, but its huge success oh. there saw the game released worldwide. Super Smash Bros. was commercially successful and became a Nintendo 64 Player's Choice title... Uh, in Japan, 1.97 million copies were sold, and 2.93 million have been sold in the United States. They thought States. a game Damn. where like, different Nintendo characters fight each other would only work in Japan. You know, I do remember what? actually... 
I do remember hearing that though. I think they were just didn't, they just didn't know how it would translate over here if like people would be excited about the idea of just like having these well-known characters fight each other. Uh, it hadn't yes. really uh, been done. I, I guess. thought and it was it, weird when it was announced here. Yeah, I mean, I remember seeing like that commercial. Um, that, that you, commercial you and is me. Amazing. Yeah, that commercial is great. Um, but it, it did. It just did seem so uh, bizarre at the time, and and it it, it didn't really like look great. Um, no. it kind of had the thing going where if you guys remember like the Mario Party games on N64, it was yeah. always like super low polygon characters. I mean, not yeah. even like, didn't even look as good as like Mario 64. Like, like it had to be, oh, yeah. yeah, it had to be really dumbed down just to like be able to process all of it. Um, but it just, it just played so well. Um, yeah, true. And like you guys said, the, the first one was very limited. Like I think I was looking, I mean, what, there's maybe 10 characters in total? I think you get 8 to begin yeah. with, and then you yeah. unlock... Well, no, maybe there's 12, because I think you there's get 8. To be, no, I think there's 6 to begin Is with, it? and you unlock 4. No, it's got to no. be 8, right? Mario, Pikachu, no, Fox, Samus, Link, Yoshi, Kirby. It's got to be 8 at least. Unlock, and then you got an extra Puff, and Luigi. Ness. Ness. Captain Ness, Falcon. Falcon. Yeah, Captain yeah. Falcon and Luigi, and I think that's it. And then, yeah, there were only, like, a handful of stages. Yeah. Um... So it was very, yeah, very small, but just, uh, just that core idea was good. And like you guys said, once Melee came around, that's where it was really blown out and became, um, you know, what we know it to be today. Yeah. Um, for sure. So, yeah. So are you guys ready to listen to some music or what? Oh, baby. I've been yes. waiting all day. <laughs> all right. Let's do it. Um, so first up, uh, we're going to listen to my track choice, um, which was a new rendition of Gourmet Race, uh, from the Kirby series. I think it was first in Kirby Superstar Saga, probably. Um, yeah, that that's little, what the game quotes it is from. Yeah, that little mini game where you're racing against King DDD to get, like, food and stuff. Um, that track is, like, super upbeat and cute, and I love what they did with it here, and they're, like, essentially turning into just, like, this hardcore speed metal. Uh, <laughs> it's so awesome. And it's so it fitting. It starts out weird and then it shifts into the speed metal like 15 or so seconds in. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. Yeah, and it just like, it cruises along like that for probably about a minute and then it has this pretty awesome breakdown in the middle and then keeps going. Um, and I should warn everyone, normally when we do these segments, we kind of do about a minute of, of each track because typically we're doing like 16-bit music and it kind of loops quickly. Um, so that's really all you need. But these tracks um, will go like several minutes before like introducing something new um you know to to the arrangement so uh the music here will probably be played a little bit longer than normal i don't think anyone will mind because it's all very very good yeah you're welcome (laughs) uh so let's kick it off then this is uh gourmet race uh from well i think it's in the in in super smash brothers for wii u and 3ds but i think it first appeared in brawl so here you go
<laughs> Sorry, I was just I was just listening to it for about a, a, a minute. I was skipping skipping around it. Boy, that speed metal really. It's so good. I forgot. I love about how that. the you were talking about how this song is really upbeat and happy and. The first, the least thing you'd expect that to match to is metal, but it actually matches really well with speed yeah. metal. Yeah, I mean, it, it almost it comes out sounding like Dragon Force or something. Yes, it yeah. Com- yeah, that's what I was the whole time I was thinking. This sounds like like arranged by Ingwei Mousesteam or something. <laughs> Absolutely, it's great. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is very good. I, I love this one. Um, yeah, I loved it in Brawl, and then I'm glad that they brought it back because and, yeah, it's, it's just, just so a, good. It takes all that, like, cute happiness, and it turns, it converts all of it into this, like, cute aggression. Yeah. <laughs> I love that one. It's fantastic. It, it's so good. Um, so there you go. So that, that's Gourmet Race. Um, you know, if I'm filling up to the, uh, editing, uh, maybe what I might do is include, like, 20 seconds of the songs that have inspired these renditions. Oh, look at you. Just so you can kind of get an idea of, of what it sounded like originally. And This then what... song also um, weirdly sounds like it belongs on the soundtrack for F-Zero X. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because that, that's all speed metal. That's, yeah, it yeah, really is. all hardcore music. <laughs> um, so yeah, just, just a fantastic track. So there you go. Um, let's go ahead and move on to a few listener suggestions before we get back to our picks. Um, first up, we will go to Kevin Kuo, uh, and he submitted the Xenoblade Chronicles medley. Now, Xenoblade Chronicles has already sort of made an appearance on this segment. I think our very first one was uh, Favorite Battle Music, and I included uh, You Will Know Our Names, I think that was the track, um, which is like just an awesome like mini-boss theme, which appears in here. Um, but you also get these great renditions of like the Colony 9 theme and uh, the Guar Plains, uh, which is just fantastic. Um so yeah, this, I mean, I think I mentioned it in that first segment we did, but like, uh, if that first track got you hooked and like, uh, interested in playing Xenoblade Chronicles, or I guess if that one didn't, like this one for sure should, because it highlights basically all the best music from the game. Yeah, so. I like how I'm, in the my music settings for Smash Brothers, I went in, I went in and I like changed the, the level for like every single music track in the game. Huh. And, um, I was going through the Xenoblade ones, and I'm like, this one's alright, and this one's alright, and this one's alright, and I was like, oh, but this one is just all of those other ones, but just 30 second together. clips of each, so I yeah. just turned that one way up. <laughs> yeah. So again, they do a good job of, like, bringing them in all together, um, you know, fairly seamlessly. So, it's very good. So, yeah. let's go ahead and give that one a listen.
see that Xenoblade Chronicles already had a very like rock inspired uh soundtrack. So yeah, this isn't too much far off. I mean, you guys remember that battle track I picked. I mean, oh, it, yeah. it basically sounded like this. The the music from this game makes me want to play it on 3DS. Yeah, yeah, I wonder how that I'm curious about what the 3DS version is going to end up kind of being like. Yeah. Um but, you know, as long as it's not sort of like reduced uh too much, I think it'll be I think it'll be worth playing there. Yeah. It's a long game, though, so hopefully you're good with, like, playing 80 hours of something on your 3DS, which I imagine you probably If it's are. on a portable, I'll beat it. You need the new 3DS for that, too, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. And I'll yeah. be getting that. So, yeah, there you go. That is the Xenoblade Chronicles medley. Uh, just a smorgasbord of awesome Xenoblade music. So, it is. Um, yeah, I guess even if you don't play Xenoblade Chronicles, if I, I would still buy the soundtrack, I think. <laughs> like, I think it's The soundtrack is really good. Yeah, I would, I would check it out. Um, or at least, like, find, like, a playlist on YouTube and listen to some more, and until finally you just give up and play the game. Um, <laughs> that's my recommendation. Um, so let's jump then to our next listener submission. Uh, this comes from John Cudney, and it is Tunnel Scene X. Uh, X is I've, the name of the game. Yes. Yes. Tunnel well, Scene is true. the name so of the Tunnel Scene is the track. And then there's another track in this game. There's another, so this track is on, I think it's on Lilac Cruise, but there's a different version of this song on the Orbital Gate Assault, also called, also called Tunnel Scene, but they, that game is X-Scope, which I guess is a sequel, I don't know. I really wasn't too familiar with this one, probably because I didn't play a ton of Brawl. Um, yeah, yeah. This, was, this is probably one of the few submissions we got where I was like, I heard and I was like, oh, I don't like really remember this at all. I was so happy that someone picked this song. Because I was, like like I said, I was going through changing the levels on all the music in the game, and I found this song, and I was like, oh, this is really cool, I like this, so I cranked it way up, and I was like, oh, someone sent it in, I'm, I'm glad they sent it in, because this is, <laughs> if you go into the music settings, this song is on, like, set to almost never play. Really? Oh. Yeah. Like, the default for a lot of these, like, deep cut songs, the default of them is to be set, like, to, like, 10% or 20% on that scale of how often should it play. Mm-hmm. So I cranked it way up. <laughs> and I recommend it. I recommend that you go through, because you'll find... So many songs, like some of the games, like the Pokemon stages, have like fifteen songs each. Yeah, really. It, and then there's like the the Mario World stage, Yoshi Yoshi Valley, like the big V shaped stage, it only has like four songs. Which is weird because well, Mario World has so much great music. Like, yeah, so I'm wondering if a lot of it's locked well, away actually, on the challenge wall. Scott, so. if, if you guys go back to Mario World, there really are only like four or five tracks in that whole game. I guess you're probably right. They're all just great. Yeah, but yeah, all you're the right. stages have repeat. like yeah. uh, almost almost all the stages have like at least six. Like even like the Wii U, like the the Woohoo Island stage has a bunch of like really really random songs from totally random games just to fill out the playlist. But this Mario stage only has four tracks. Oh, that's weird. It's kind of a shame. I hope they, I hope I can unlock more. <laughs> Alright, well yeah, let's give a listen then to Tunnel Scene from X.
it's it's good. It's just uh, uh, it's not as instantly awesome and recognizable as the other ones on this list. It's good though. Yeah, it's not from any game you. I mean, I've never heard of this game. Yeah. I want to go play it now, though. I want to see. This sounds like some kind of. Sp- it feels like some kind of space shooter, maybe, from the way the music is. Yeah. So I want to go check it out and see what it's about. And I think it's cool that Smash is. It's not just putting in like the hits. There's there's a lot true, of really true. random deep cuts on this game. Yeah. There's Very songs. True. There are two songs from Style Savvy Trendsetters. <laughs> two. Oh baby, and I've heard that's a good game. There are two songs from Nintendogs. That's not hidden a good in there game. somewhere. I think in the Wii Fit trainer stage. <laughs> oh, I can see that. Yeah. Um, well, let's go ahead and move then to our next uh, pick, and then this one is going to come from Zach. So, Zach, why don't you go ahead and introduce hey! it? This is the. Uh, this appears in Brawl for the first time, and it. I, I actually don't know if it's in. Um, the Wii U game or the 3DS game. It is. It's it in, is. It's in the Wii U game. I've seen it in the menu. Okay. Uh, well, it it originally comes from uh, one of the environments in Subspace Emissary. It's the underground theme or the dungeon theme from Super Mario Land on the Game Boy. And uh, I, I like that. I, that's always been one of my favorite Mario tracks anyway because it's so different and it's kind of uh, Egyptian sounding. Uh, to me, yeah, uh, especially but, this mix of it. Yeah. Especially this mix of it, and it it changes up like two or three times, and each time it adds something, uh, it, it adds an instrument or two, and I, I really like the third iteration where there's a guy going, "Hey, you that know. one, that part throws me for a loop." I'm that part I'm not not so much high on. Oh, the no, rest of it is. No. This song is interesting because I've. I've never played Super Mario Land. Oh, dude. So I feel, though I felt like this is the first time I've heard this song, but then I was thinking back and I realized I've heard various mixes of this song in other Mario games. Oh, maybe. All right, well, yeah. They do that all the time. Let's go ahead and give it a listen. All right. Thank you. 
I really like that track, and I think most people might be surprised to find that the underground theme from Super Mario Land is so much different than, like, the quote-unquote underground theme from oh, Super yeah. Mario Brothers. Yeah. yeah. Um, and all the music, for that matter, is, is very different. Um, yeah, the, the music in Mario Land is actually, like, one of its best parts. It's I would say really so. really good music in that the, game. The, the gameplay of, of Mario Land is, you know, it's okay. It gets better. Like, Mario Land 2 is very good, I think. Um, I I don't like Mario Land 2 because it's so stupid easy I and short. Any Mario and, Land game. Oh, really? It, no. Mario I Land feels like until very late. Mario Land feels like a demake of Mario World, whereas Mario Land is clearly something very very different. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think they were just still so limited by the hardware and by Mario Land oh, 2. Oh, of course, I think it was did, a launch game. Yeah, they had mostly kind of figured it out, and that that shows. Uh, yeah, and how how drastically different the games really are. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's true. Um, let's go ahead and jump to the next one. And I feel like this was maybe on our list of, like, ones not to send. It was. I... I'm glad somebody sent it in. I'm glad, too. It's, it's, still, it's still so good, right? Yeah. <laughs> I just I just said don't send this in because it's going get to get there one way or another. Cause this well, I'm is glad too... it got sent in because it let me, me and too. Zach both pick something different. Exactly, yeah. And to and... me, this is, like, one of the top smash brothers remixes right yes. here yeah yes because it takes what's already like a great song and just takes it in a whole new direction it has like so much great like instrumentation yeah it's got um, this great spanish guitar yes so, so jazzy good. yeah and just like completely fleshes it out like in a way like you wouldn't have expected um yeah it's just really great so let's just go ahead and just jump right in so it is a sticker right. sticker brush symphony from I think, is it Donkey Kong Country? Donkey Kong Country 2. 2, I thought, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. That's it's what funny. I thought. It plays in the Bramble levels, which are all insane. Um, yeah, they're hard as hell. Oh, yeah, they are. <laughs> oh, yeah, with all the bees and stuff. So, all right, well, yeah, let's go ahead and give it a listen. Thank you. 
Ugh, yeah. All right, I'm I have to stop it because I could listen to it forever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that is like that might be like the best track, honestly. I mean, like I like the ones I picked, but I mean that that's that that's, track like, is top really tier. really good. Nintendo needs to send those CDs out seriously. They're not coming until like March. God, also, someone it. uploaded the entire soundtrack. It's to like YouTube. Uh, no, well, yeah, all, all the songs are on YouTube. Obviously, that's where we're listening to all of them. Well, sure, yeah, but, true. Um, no, I saw it. I think it was on NeoGaff, or maybe I saw a link on NeoGaff to some other phone. Oh, nice. I posted it, and it's like the the MP3 version is like a six gig download. Oh my god! And then there's a FLAC version also, if you want that. Holy shit, that's like a whole Damn. terabyte, probably. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Because there's like I don't know, probably like close to like two or three hundred songs in this game. I think. Yeah. Oh my word. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, so our next track, and I'm glad this was included, and I think it's our only entry from Melee, um, and I'd forgotten how good the song is. It, it's the Break the I know, Targets I theme. Uh, this was sent in by Tripon, and I like this because, I think at the time, because I really didn't like the Break the Target stages that much. Like, they were okay, but it was just a pain They're to keep them kind of infuriating. Yeah. yeah, I think I kind of just sort of oh, like blocked I really, out. I really got into Break the I get, Targets. I get pretty infuriated by the... I don't like how they do it now. I get now pretty infuriated by the new uh, angry, angry targets or whatever you yeah. want to call it. Yeah, yeah. I I think it was better before <laughs> angry targets, but, but even before, like it was, because didn't you have to do all of them to unlock certain things? You did. Yeah, yes. and some of there were like two or three of them that were just like an absolute bitch. Too. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you had to like perfectly master true, true. all the moves, and like I mean, same with Subspace Emissary, like. Actually, controlling and like trying to do platforming in Smash Brothers isn't really always the, yeah, the greatest. Yeah, it's not great. No, um, especially with like big, uh, like hulking characters. Like I feel like Bowser stage was kind of a bitch, uh, if I remember correctly. But either way, I think that caused me to sort of block out how great this track is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, by itself, really like removed, it's actually it's actually a very good track. So I'm glad I'm glad this was sent in because um, it reminded me. And you know, it's kind of like a. I don't know, sort of like a not expected pick, you know, like we all picked like level music, yeah, you know, that, that's, that's pulled from old, music. yeah, exactly, that's pulled from other games, but yeah, this is like a totally original track just for this, so uh, let's go ahead and give the Break the Targets theme a listen. Energetic, like jazzy, or something. I don't know. Not quite. Kind of. I mean, yeah. It's just. It's just. Yeah. Like like Zach said, it's very. No, you know what it upbeat. is. It's like this. It's. I know what I'm thinking is. It's not really jazzy. It's got this kind of like Elton John piano going thing going thing going on. We well, yeah, have a whole thing going along the whole time. Is piano? Yeah. yeah. It's but, but oh it's here like, it is. Bits of it yeah, are very, I, bits I of it are very Elton John, and then bits of it are kind of like Billy Joel. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, but like this part, go- the main part that it's playing in the background, that just sounds exactly like an Elton John thing to me. Right, it, like between when it goes between like just playing the chords and then actually playing yeah. like the individual keys, like that's yeah. It yeah, also loops just, a lot, yeah. but you have to remember you're supposed to do break the targets in like two minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really kind of it's really kind of this perfect like zone out music. Is it even two minutes? I thought it was like a minute. How long did you have for? Oh, maybe it minutes? is a minute. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a minute. Sh- it's this a short a amount of time. loop we're listening to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, all right. Well, let's go ahead then and move on to our next track. Uh, this one comes from Terrence and is Go KK Rider, uh, which I believe first appeared, yeah, in Brawl, and then I think it's in the Smash Bros. Wii U, right? I mean, nobody like cares because it's Animal Crossing. It's in, it's in Wii U. I, 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 I guess I'm the only one who's gone to the music menu. And, like, really carefully, yeah. I can independently verify every track, you guys. <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah, I thought this one was actually pretty good. Another one that I don't think I really came across in Brawl, just because I didn't play Brawl a ton, like we yeah. talked about. Um, but I actually like it. And the video that's been uploaded is kind of funny, because it gives dialogue to, like, sort of the, like, nonsense words that are going on uh, throughout the track. Did you guys, like, really pay attention to that? Oh, I didn't see I did that. not really pay attention to that. Yeah, if you, <laughs> if you, uh, if you watch the, the video for the track, they inserted, like, you know, like a YouTube caption. Uh, throughout the whole thing with, like, uh, KK Writer's dialogue or, uh, like, vocal, uh, or lyrics, I guess maybe you could huh. say. And it's just nonsense and it's pretty funny. And it actually does kind of sound like what, what's, like, the nonsense that's being said in the song that you can't actually decipher. So, it's pretty good. Um, so yeah, let's go ahead and give it a listen. Me. 
Yeah, it's, I like this track. It's it's pretty interesting. Um, both of the there's two Animal Crossing songs. Cap'n song is really good too. That one's in the 3DS version, but it's in the Wii U version also. But I like both of these. Um, I like all the Animal Crossing tracks where they like have the Animal Crossing like kind of singing in it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, there's a like couple like KK Bubblegum is in there too somewhere. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of it's silly, but like it fits that franchise, so why not? <laughs> yeah, true, true. Um, so we have two tracks left. Um, let's go ahead and let's go with our last listener one, and then we'll save mics for last. Um, I made I made the call. Uh, this comes from Daniel Lewis, and it is the Gerudo Valley theme. Yes, classic. It, yeah, this one is fantastic. I mean, I remember loving this this theme in Ocarina of Time just in general. Uh, but this rendition of it, like, is just unbelievably good. It's really yeah, good. It I mean, it's up there with Sticker Brush, Brush Symphony. Like, that's I that, agree. that I top agree. tier. Yeah. Um, because same thing, like, it came from somewhat limited background, you know, or limited hardware at the time, and then it's, like, completely fleshed out in just a way you wouldn't have expected. Yeah. True. I mean, this one definitely has, like, a, a very, like, Spanish influence. Yep. Um, and it's perfect oh, for yeah. this song. Yeah. Yeah, it fits, it fits very well. We picked a lot of songs with Spanish kind of Spanish sounding guitars in them. Yeah, well, that's good, true. man. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm, they, Nintendo just must go to that quite a bit for this yeah. for this, uh, this soundtrack. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and give it a listen. This is the Gerudo Valley theme. Uh, I think it appeared; it's appeared in a handful of these games by now. But I, know I think it, is, it was in Melee. I not this. It? No, not this good. Not no, this good. Not this version. No way. Maybe no. Brawl. I know it's for it sure, might obviously, have been in, in 3DS and Wii U, but... I think this version is maybe new for the 3DS Wii Yeah, it U might version. be. You might be right. Okay. Well, yeah. Let's go ahead and give it a listen.
Um, so yeah, that that track is just fantastic. Darn good. Yeah, that's um, really amazing. Like, it like surpasses just being a good video game track. Like that's just good music in general. Like I just want to listen to that all the time. Um, actually, somewhat similar to our last track, uh, which comes from our own Mike's Glenn. Yeah. Do you want to introduce it, Mike? Yeah. So I'm actually I'm going to mention two tracks because I was very close to between picking these two tracks. The one I didn't pick is Ashley's song with the Japanese lyrics, which is on the WarioWare stage. Uh, but it shares something in common with this song in that both of them have this weird kind of Japanese cross-American sound going to them, where the first one is like this very like straight-up American jazz music with Japanese vocals over top of it, so it's this really cool like culture clash. It sounds really great. And this song, King DDD's theme version 2, um, is... It's done on like a Japanese flute, but the whole thing comes out sounding like the most amazing Jethro Tull song. <laughs> That's actually really good. Yeah, it's like yeah, it sounds like modern American music, but like with traditional Japanese instruments. Yeah, just imagine, anyway. just imagine the guy from Jethro Tull like just jamming out because this is this song is basically like a like three minute <laughs> flute solo. It's so good. And I will say that this, this we're probably going to close on this track, so I don't think we're going to say anything after this. I think we'll let this be sort of the outro music for this segment. Um, do we have any ideas for the next one? What should people send in? I, I had an idea, but it was kind of more tied to Christmas, I guess, even though winter lasts much longer. But I thought, like, favorite snow or winter uh, level music? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Okay. That's a good idea. Yeah, I should, we should have done that one, like, instead of before Smash to kind of tie it to Christmas, but oh well. I mean, winter, well, winter, especially listen, here in the Listen, there's a content drought coming. We need everything That's we can true. Get. But I mean, plus, to be fair, like, winter for Zach in Alaska will last to, like, July, and then winter for me in the Midwest yeah, will last to, like, yeah. m- the middle of May. So. As long as we're done by the end of February, it should still be winter here in Florida. <laughs> okay, good. So it'll still work. So yeah, send just your favorite, um, winter level, snow level, snow level cold, level, frozen whatever. level. Yeah, anything that kind of fits that. Theme. No, nothing from Frozen, the video game. But, <laughs> Please, God, you know. no. Is there a Frozen video game? Of course there is. Is there? I, there must be, Scott. Like a crappy 3DS game, yeah, maybe? Or like an iPhone game, gotta be. nothing else? Okay. The part's called, probably called, like, Elsa's Quest, or some stupid shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my daughter actually has, like, completely gotten, like, hooked on that. Nope. So, oh, nope. Now, now I don't want kids. Stop that when it, before it starts, Scott. No, you know, that movie's actually really good. I like that movie. No, it's not. She's a bitch. <laughs> Wait, who's a bitch? Elsa! <laughs> She's just misunderstood. I what haven't I, seen it just because I got too fed up by that song before I got to the theater. What I will say about it is, uh, what I what I like about it is that it kind of bucks the traditional, like, Disney trend. Like, the whole idea is that, like, the, the, the curse, I'm not going to go too much into what the curse is or how it happens, but it will be lifted by, like, true love. Um, and the whole movie kind of leads you up to believe that's going to be between, uh, one of the princesses and then like the, you know, like the man guy character that she meets, you know, the prince or whatever. And it completely flips that upside down and then it ends up just being about the love between the two sisters, which I I really like. And I I just like that it kind of, uh, sets out like I'm sort of a new path for a Disney movie. So. And then Maleficent copied it. (laughs) Did it? I haven't seen Maleficent. Totally did. Oh, well, there you go. Because it's terrible. Okay. Well, I won't. But Frozen's pretty good. I would see it. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Enjoy yeah. this amazing flute. What, well, since we're going to go out on this song, what did you guys think of it? Oh, it's really. I good. like it. It's yeah. really good. I mean, you sent the email earlier today. Like, which track should I do? And I listened to Ashley's song first. I was like, yeah, this is like this is cool. Like, this is good. I like this. And then I listened to this King DDD theme, and I was like, nope, this one for sure, yeah. forever. Yeah. <laughs> go into the Great Cave Offensive settings and crank this song all the way up. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it is fantastic. <laughs> um, so we'll go out on that. So. Zach and Mike, thank you for being here, as always. Um, 
Everyone, let's see, it was Kevin, John, That Nintendo Dude, Trippon, Terrence, and Daniel. Thank you so much for sending in uh, your favorite Smash Brothers music. And in fact, I think everyone who sent some in sent in like three submissions, honestly, because they were That's just like, couldn't, couldn't decide. Like the rest of us, they just had so many that they couldn't choose from, so I kind of just picked for them. Um, so thank you so much for doing that. We really appreciate it. And yeah, be sure to send in your favorite winter uh, snow ice level theme uh, for the next show. Okay, bye. See ya. Bye. Everybody and welcome to a brand new installment of Nintendo News Report, the live show made primarily for our Nintendo World Report TV YouTube channel. During the show, we discuss recent Nintendo news as well as this week's new releases and more. I'm your host, Alexander Kalafi, and I'm joined by site director Neil Ronahan. Hi, everybody, and I have a friend, as uh, I seem to have had a figure on every week. This one is this really awkward-looking Skyward Sword Zelda that, if you can see, I will tilt him to the side, and he's got he's he's like hanging to the red a bit with the sword. Wow. I don't know, contrast on my face. Also you um, called you this, just called uh, you just called Link Zelda to see it. It's been a very long day. I drink a lot on New Year's Eve. So, um, so this whole this whole podcast this whole show has become invalidated.
So, um, do you guys have any of those Metroid figures of the <laughs> Metroid? Yeah. Um, no, but this is uh, I don't, I don't but... know. They're, like the little like the like the Gachapon things. I found this at a GameStop. I also got a Young Link that he's he see he has a he's a little uh, the, the 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 slingshot, slingshot? shooting shit. And he's got his boy shorts on. Um, so that's that's my shit. And the other voice you are hearing is Connectivity Podcast Editor Scott Thompson. Hello, Scott. We need toys today. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So, All right. as anyone who has watched before knows, our general format is to do a top story at the top of the show, followed by new releases and news. But since this is our third week in a row where there are no news stories big enough to be put in our top story discussion, I'm thinking the way I'm going to do this going forward is to call what's at the top of the show either our feature topic or top story, because, let's be real, it's January, it's, it is January, and there ain't going to be huge news until the next Nintendo Direct. So this week, in place of a top story and in celebration of entering a new year, Neil, Scott, and I are going to discuss our individual top three Nintendo games of 2014. Okay, before, before we get to that, mm-hmm. when do we all think the next Nintendo Direct is going to happen? Let's, let's Late January. Late January. Can I get a week? Uh, a the week that's not here. the last week of January that's moving so into like the February. 19th. Monday the nineteenth, that early twenties. That, that's what I'm going for. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the week of January twelfth. We are going to have a something of Nintendo Direct like substance. It's, I, I know why you're saying that, and I won't right, say well, that why. Case, but I think you might be right. <laughs> it's because it's. I just thought back. Well, that just doesn't leave thing. me much to go with it. then. Okay. Will you go late January then? The late at the last week. The week of the twenty sixth, or this upcoming. Well, by week. default, I feel like I have to. Yeah, like, it's not going to be. Not gonna be it won't be this upcoming. I mean, it could be, but I I wouldn't put my money there. Right. Okay. No, so I'll, I'll have to go with the week of the twenty sixth. All right, so, so it's uh we usually do this purely for connectivity, but we thought it would be a good idea to try something a little different and do it live on video. And just getting right into it, we are going to go around yeah, Scott, Neil, me. Counting down from our third favorite all the way to second and first, followed by a round of honorable mentions. So let's get started, Scott. What is your third favorite Nintendo game of 2014? Okay, so I'm first. Yes, you are first. I'm I'm first. Okay. Uh, so number three has to be Mario Kart 8. Um. I was I mean, kind of surprised at how much I really... That seems pretty high. <laughs> yeah, it is like the worst game of all time, um, yeah, according to reviews. <laughs> um, no, I was impressed um, by how good it was and how much it really pulled me back into Mario Kart. Like, I don't know that I've really, like... I mean, I'll... Double Dash was kind of there, but that was also the point where it wasn't quite as easy for me to play... Um, I don't think I had a lot of friends who had a GameCube, so that required me bringing a GameCube over. Um, but it did have some really good ideas. But this is probably the first one in a while that's like really uh, sucked me in and kept me interested. I, it, what really helps is just like the stellar online play. Um, not to mention the ability to pretty much play everything, um, you know, split screen with my wife. So whether we're going through and, and you know getting all the the cups and unlocking all the the racers and different parts, or just going online and like playing online with everyone, um, it just worked really well. And that's only become better, like, in the past month with all the DLC. Um, like, the extra stages are insanely awesome. Yeah, that, you know, everyone that, freaks Zelda, out. the Zelda and the X-Zero stage are, like, I can't believe that they exist. They're that damn yeah. cool. And the online so of this and they, game I, is 
it's so, so good. It runs very, very well. Yeah, it's a beautiful game, and I like, too, how those stages kind of change things up. Like, I love that the F-Zero one, you go through, like, the shield refill to get your, your coins, and then, you know, you've got rupees instead of coins in the Zelda stage. That's all very yeah. neat. I uh, wish my, that my first kind of mechanic changes in the actual game, but mm-hmm. I'll shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it's, it's, he's right. It's There are... The, the series could have moved forward... But I think the series also makes strong points in its level design because it feels like year two of uh, the Mario Kart 7 editions with the flying in the air and the swimming. So it feels yeah. like they improved that and put more of that in levels in addition to the figure eight stuff, and or, excuse me, the anti-grav, and then in addition to the uh, – just, just more tra- more ways to go through the tracks. There's a lot of, like, secret passages and it feels like this is the strongest the level selection has been in the series, like the track design specifically. So it's true, there aren't a ton of uh, changes. Like, there are a lot of minor ones, but I think it makes up for it uh, gameplay-wise in a few other ways. Yeah, for sure. And it, to me, if anything, the DLC is kind of like maybe them sort of stepping out of the comfort zone for like what a Mario Kart game can be. And I think when they see the totally. feedback to that, how much people enjoy like these sort of change ups to the uh, to the general structure, then I think we'll see in Mario Kart Nine, you know, whether that's on um, 4DS or Wii U two or the iPhone, uh, I think we'll see some like real like great design and uh, some real interesting uh, implementations of like new ideas there. So uh, either way, Mario Kart Eight, very very good. So. Cool. Am I going to two now, or are we going around for all our threes? It's, we're work? going. We're doing three, two, one. So Neil is next. What is your number three Nintendo game? Uh, my number three is Super Smash Brothers for Wii U. Um, what? For a lot of the same reasons as Scott was kind of rattling off Mario Kart. Um, the the online, I have I've had so much fun with that. Um, whether I'm playing with random people or you know, friends or NWR readers, what have you. I just have a great time, especially the one time that I did one that the only item was S-Flags with a couple readers. That was amazing. <laughs> um, and then just the the breadth of everything in that game is so much fun. And, I mean, it's it's Smash Brothers. It's, like, you kind of, you, you it is what we all wanted when we were like, oh, there's going to be a new Smash Brothers game. There's all these new characters that are tons of fun. Um, Smash Tour sucks, but other than that, all the contents in it's a lot of fun. I love the events. The Master Orders are great. Uh, the Crazy Orders are get really, really hard, and if you are kind of into that, where you're like, oh, the events are too easy, well, go try some Crazy Orders. And it's a lot of similar design ideas that are just really, really well done. Um, and then I guess the last thing with that, and the reason why I'm playing it more than... playing it more now than I am the 3DS version, I really like Amiibo. Like, I, I don't think the usage in that is totally, totally compelling, but I think that I have a lot of fun with it because it's like I'll sit down and be like, well, I want to play some. I don't I don't really want to go online. I'll just fight these amiibo characters and see what happens, and I've developed some rivalries with inanimate objects, which <laughs> make me question reality. That my Link is an asshole. I just imagine, like, you have your collection of amiibo, and then that Link is just, like, in a, like, in a drawer somewhere in another no, room. Like, you, like know, you can't even look at it. Like, that's how cute the rivalry like, runs. Pikachu pinned down. And I'm like, no, Link. <laughs> or like he has the villager pinned down. I'm like, no, Link. I'm never going to find another villager. Back away. <laughs> yeah, so yeah I was thinking about it. is amazing. I was thinking about the other day, and I bet the Amiibo use in uh, Smash Bros. for Wii would be really great if I was like 
in elementary school or middle school still. And, like, I could, like, bring them school. I don't know if I was, like, trading with friends. But then again, when I was little, I probably traded games and shit all the time, stupidly. Um, but, you know, like, like being at competition locally would, like, Exactly, yeah. But, like, you know, going over to a friend's house and being, like, having your amiibo that you've trained fight, like, your friend's amiibo or, like, on team. You know, different things like that where it's, like, every week you kind of bring a new uh, a new amiibo to the table with a new setup and just see how it goes. Like, that works. Um, it's kind of a bummer you can't really do that online. Like, I can't fight your link, Neil, because that would be pretty cool. Yeah, but, no, that would be awesome. I mean, we can yeah. do that at PAX East. So that, that could be a good time. We'll bring all our amiibo mm-hmm. to, to Boston. Um do you think you go on an airplane, or do you think I don't know? I mean, I could try that. I'm going to Colorado tomorrow, so I could I can just bring an amiibo and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, and keep an amiibo in your amiibo, pocket. Like, um, my, my Link amiibo's got like a gram of weed as we're coming back from Colorado, and I'm like, no, Link, you can't do that. <laughs> it's not legal in Jersey. This is a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the amiibo is super super good. No, I, I would describe it almost as underrated, at least from when they initially told us what the Amiibo was going to be yeah, like. Yeah, um, I mean, you can basically track, like, I've written several, I think at this point, at least a half dozen articles about Amiibo in Smash Brothers since it was announced back in June. And my first one was like, this is dumb. And then by, like, September, after after I think they showed a little bit more of it, I was kind of like, you know what, this is kind of dumb, but it could be a very good time. And it wound up kind of being, like, the best possible situation, I think. Because the figures do look cool, and that's why everyone's going nuts over collecting them. But I know that there's a few people, I'm not the only one, that I really do honestly enjoy using them in the game. Yeah, it's super fun in Smash Mode, and I think, and I actually think that even though I'm playing by myself locally, Smash Mode in Wii U is probably my most played mode, partially the result of training my amiibos and fighting against my amiibos. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And I've even had it where like I had, I had like one friend was over, and we were sitting down and playing some Smash, and and I mean I'm I'm whenever I play Smash I'm not super competitive about it so like one on one fights sometimes they're like eh uh, so we wanted to throw two other people and instead of throwing in two computer players it's like all right let's put in let's put in Killager and uh, and and Wolf that's what I named my Fox McCloud amiibo because that seemed accurate to do because there's a Wolf costume for him <laughs> um, and then we fought with them and it was it was great yeah uh, moving on to my number three. I chose Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze for the Wii U. The February release, which is a very good sequel to, in my opinion, one of the greatest platformers of all time. And I I think the reason why uh, I like Tropical Freeze so much is that it... I said this a lot last year when I was going over Pikmin 3 and Animal Crossing New Leaf, but it does a really good job of being a Nintendo sequel that iterates enough with uh, while still maintaining what's great about the original. Like, it, it's still Donkey Kong Country Returns. It still has the exact same physics I love. It still has the secret-laden level design I love. And it still has the the challenge I love. But instead, they made... But in addition to that, they made the game slightly harder... They made more secrets. They made, I think, more levels, but at least a comparable amount of levels. They made the game look amazing. They gave it an incredible soundtrack. And, uh, yeah, the just, David Wise stuff is so good. It's one of the only soundtracks I actually have in my iTunes right now. And granted, I'm sure, but it's like it's that and like Persona 4. But it's it's one of the best <laughs> ones I've heard probably ever uh, in a soundtrack in a game. So that's I think it's the best Donkey Kong Country soundtrack, bar none. I agree. 
I agree with that. And then also, uh, Cranky Kong and Dixie Kong are fantastic additions as uh, playable partners. Specifically Dixie Kong, because Cranky Kong did feel a little underutilized in the final game. Yeah, Dixie Kong yeah. Is, is, is OP. Like, that is the partner yeah. to have, from yeah. what I remember about that game. It's been, I haven't touched it since the end of February. Uh, I'm, I think I still prefer Donkey Kong Country Returns because it, I don't think we needed another one of these in the first place. And after this, I don't really think we need another Donkey Kong Returns game ever again, or at least for the next five or ten years. Like, maybe give it to Monster Games and let them pull a Luigi's Mansion in five or six years. But it's, if these are the only two games we get in this series forever, I'm okay with that. I'm okay if this is just leaving it be as is. So, fantastic game. Cool. Number two. Scott, what is your number two Nintendo game of the year? Uh, interestingly enough, it is Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. <laughs> That's why you were quiet. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, pretty much for all the same reasons you said. I, I think it, it takes what Returns did and really, like, ran with it. Um, Returns was great. Um, and it, it, to me, it's kind of similar to, like, the new Super Mario Brothers series, where it's like New Super Mario Brothers came out on DS, and you're like, okay, like this is this is fun. I like that it's sort of a throwback, but it felt like there was more that that could be done with it. And it's it, to me felt the same way with Returns, and the Tropical Freeze was like that was like the realization of of all like the uh, the potential for bringing back Donkey Kong. Um, like you said, having Dixie there and Creaky there was great. Um, I played the whole thing through with my wife, so I really enjoyed the. Uh, the, the multiplayer and, and same no, with returns. I'm kind of curious because the co-op with that and like, I really enjoyed both returns and tropical freeze. Although I, I still haven't finished tropical freeze. There's something it's the same thing happened for me that happened. Same thing happened for me in tropical freeze is what happened to me with returns, which was I'm like this is incredible and I get four worlds in and just don't play it anymore for some like mm-hmm. I don't know why. And then returns I actually didn't beat until the 3ds remake. Um, and I loved it. It's a it's a fantastic game, and that's kind of what I felt about Tropical Freeze. But the one thing that I noticed with both of those games is that the co-op always seemed really hard to manage, especially as you get to, like, the really, really hard stuff. Now, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of curious, is that just, like, you and your wife are of a similar skill level? Like, did you have any issues with the co-op? No, not at all. I mean, there's, there's definitely moments where it's, like, strict platforming, like those moments where you're having to jump from from platform to platform, and they're, they're basically falling apart after you, like, yeah. touch them, right? So there's no real time to, like, coordinate. So in those situations, it worked best to have, like, to have her character jump on Donkey Kong's yeah. back, and Which I would kind of get us to that. have that mechanic in the game. Yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, but, no, I'd say, like, 95% of the game we played through, you know, not like that. With both of us was managing our characters and everything. And what I was going to say that I like about it, I, I think it, kind of helps alleviate that issue if you don't have, uh, like, even skilled players, is that really Diddy and Dixie kind of are, like, easier to play because they're they're more forgiving because you've got the jetpack and the hair spin. The hair spin. Yeah, I love that hair spin. Yeah, so, you know, like, that helps. That helps, like, correct uh, jumps. It gives you a little bit more time to make decisions and, like, like land in the right spaces and stuff like that. Um, so I thought that worked really well for playing with my wife, um, you know, because that, that helped her uh, in situations where, as Donkey Kong, she might have otherwise died. So, yeah. uh, no, we didn't have any issue. I mean, we completely beat it, 100%ed it, and all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, it was a blast. And, and the soundtrack, seriously, is just so, so amazing. Good. I think it's I might so good. 
tomorrow at work, I might just listen to that soundtrack all day. I did it's it so good. months ago because just someone like say, "Hey, remember when David Wise did that soundtrack?" I'm like, "Yes, I do." Um, I'm gonna listen to it again. It, it, it's great. Like that was the one thing that was missing from Returns. It was like the, the music was okay in in Returns, but it didn't even really like bring back any classics or build on any sort of that yeah. classic young uh, country music. But Tropical Freeze for sure does that. I mean, it brings so much back and just sounds so so great. Yeah. So yeah, that that is my number two game. Excellent. Neil, what is your number two game? My number two game is on the 3DS. It's a little game called Fantasy Life. Um, I guess it's kind of almost like where to begin with Fantasy Life. It's it's a single-player MMO that is kind of Dragon Quest-y. Uh, I think that might be the best elevator pitch for that game. Um, and I kind of was worried when I first started playing that game because the idea sounded really fun because it's like, you have these 12 different, uh, they call them life classes. They're not jobs necessarily. Um, and it's like, you could be a cook, you could be a tailor, you could be a, you could be a paladin, you could be a, a ranger and fire a bow. Um, you could be all these different classes that all kind of do different things where one of them, like, and a lot of them aren't even combat focused. There's ones that it's like, Oh, go chop down trees or go make swords. Um, and just kind of all of that working together and the fact that you can, you know, after you get through the intro area, which takes a really, really long time, um, you can just take on any class and then go on your own pace. Um, and then the world, there's just so much to do because you have you have a main storyline that is a little long of the tooth. Like, there's oddly not a lot of combat, and it's kind of almost to a really funny degree because you're going through this main story, and it's like, all right, we gotta go and fight like the the Dark Lord, and we gotta kill him. And you get there, and it's just like the Dark Lord's like, I was just in a prank war with the king. Like we're cool. Like there's nothing big there, <laughs> and that happens constantly throughout the game, which I just love because you keep on getting these points where you're like, all right, we're gonna get into this boss fight. It's gonna be ridiculous. I gotta fight a dragon, and then it's like the dragon doesn't want to hurt you. You like just help it, help it. Its babies not be possessed by this dark crystal, and then everything's cool. Um, you can get a horse, you can get cats, that's pretty fun. You can get different houses. <laughs> you can you can grind endlessly. There's never nothing to do in that game. I haven't even gotten to the DLC, and I've already put like 80 hours into it. <laughs> um, and I'm kind of scared about the DLC, because there's probably a reality in which I stop doing anything with Nintendo Report, and I just play <laughs> Fantasy Life. Um, that, that might be the darkest timeline, or the happiest timeline, because... I really like Fantasy Life. Have either of you guys played this game? I want to buy it so bad. It's uh, well, not so bad. Otherwise, I would have bought it by now. But it's, I think <laughs> you're, you're starting. I think you're starting to push me over the edge because it's. I'm hearing like super addicting. I, I'm hearing some people use whispers of Animal Crossing, and then it definitely has an so Animal excited. Crossing feel to it. But it's a little bit more like the yeah, Animal Crossing aspects aren't as integral to the overall game. It's kind of just there. Right. Like, because you can get all this shit for your house. And you have, I, I think in the main game, you can have three houses. In the DLC, I think they add two more. Um, so you have, like, your main home, and, like, there's different houses you can buy. And then you have, like, a summer home in the beach town and stuff like that. And you can decorate those all you want. But I don't really think there's anything in game that it's like, you get graded for how you decorated your house. It's just like, I don't know, you won this wall scroll. You can put it next to your bed. Like, but but do you get the same Animal Crossing feeling of even if no one's judging you, you kind of get excited yeah, about designing yeah, totally, your house? totally, totally, yeah. Okay, cool. 
It's so yeah. I, I think I'll probably get it in the next couple weeks if, if if the financial situation seems right and I find a physical copy somewhere. Uh, I'll probably buy that before I end up getting Bayonetta two, which is the other game I want to pick up at some point. Yeah. I mean, Excellent. I just like, mm-hmm. and and then I also have on like the kind of I guess serious sad note is that. Uh, so I reviewed Fantasy Life, and I played through and I probably put, like, 20, 30 hours into the review, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and then, shortly after the review went up, my grandfather passed away, and then I kind of just dove into this game even more and found a lot of solace in it, just because it was the stuff where there was a lot of repetition in it, and it just kind of was a nice a nice uh, escape from the, the, the crap that was going on following my grandfather's death. So... Like Fantasy Life go also goes for me on that level as well. In addition to being this amazing game, it also kind of helped me through a rough time. That's really cool. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. It seems like it's the real uh, talk. It is real talk, but it also seems <laughs> like uh, addicting. Like, not, I don't know if this is day to day, but this kind of addicting RPG gameplay is perfectly suited to when you just need to put your mind on one thing and focus on it and just not worry about anything else that's going on, or at least take a pause from that for a little while. Yeah, and I mean, because of its design, too, like, I did actually, at a certain point, I kind of had to go, like, cold turkey from it because I think I was, I probably put, like, ten hours into it, like, in the span of, like, three days. Like, like every three days would be another ten hours. Like, it was absurd. And then I kind of went cold turkey, but even still, every now and then, I'll be like, you know what, I'm going to do a little, I think I can... I can pick it up, play it for 20 minutes, feel satisfied, put it down, come back to it a week later, play for a half an hour, feel satisfied, and I and I really like that. Like it's it's a game that I'm gonna keep on going to because of comfort, because of fun. Sure. Uh, excellent. So my number two Nintendo game of the year. I'm very happy that you brought up Fantasy Life because mine is the other uh, non-Animal Crossing but kind of addicting like Animal Crossing game that came out this year, Disney Magical World on wow. DS. Uh, a game I barely talked about. It. Wow. It's, uh, it's, I cracked probably 36, 37 hours into that in like the span of a week. It's, uh, cause here, here's what this game is. This game is a little bit of Animal Crossing, a lot of super addictive light RPG stuff. It's like in the realm of Final Fantasy, uh, no, excuse me, Kingdom Hearts. And it, there's a lot of light action RPG, and then there's a lot of Animal Crossing, a lot of dressing yourself up, a lot of designing everything you like, uh, everything you want. And then it packages it around an absolute love for Disney, and it, like all of that Disney magic you love feeling yeah, when you I'm go to, have to buy this game, when you go to Disney World, and all that Disney magic you feel—that's almost like uh, Nintendo magic, but a little bit more kid-friendly, but no less magical. It's this <laughs> game; it, it just touched my heart in all the right ways, and it's like <laughs> fantasy life, like fantasy life. It is super addicting and repetitive, but like in that good, like, fuck, I need to play more kind of way. Yeah, where you're like, man, if only I could make that souffle, then I'd really get get a leg up in life. So, Neil, <laughs> do you want to make a pact, then, that sometime in the next several weeks you'll buy Disney Magical World and I will I mean, buy it's a very real life? possibility. I, 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 had a, I had some GameStop gift cards that I got for Christmas, and I bought some eShop cards because... I went in there being like, maybe I'll actually buy a physical game, and then I just walked out with those that dumb Zelda thing that I that I showed y'all earlier, and uh, <laughs> and and then two two uh, ten dollar eShop gift cards. Uh, so I might I was going to put that onto my 3ds and buy some stuff because I'm going on a plane tomorrow, um, and maybe I'll end up buying Magical World. That's good. I don't it's, know. Uh, I, I hope. Happen. I hope one day in the future we can share. Yeah, I mean, it'll stories. probably happen eventually. I, it's one of those things where it's like. 
I'm kind of stubbornly holding out for a sale that might never come. It never will. It's because it's yeah. Nintendo published. It's and granted yeah. that's no excuse. Some games drop to twenty, but you can tell uh, Nintendo did a good thing by publishing this because it was originally a Japanese-only release by Namco Bandai, I think. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think Nintendo yeah. might have had a hand in it in Japan, but I'm not sure. And but it, it has, way, it has it that level of polish. I've I've heard I've heard so many. You're not the only person that I've heard good things about this game from. Like it, it's something that's kind of been on my radar because I, I have a feeling I'd enjoy it. I'm not super Disney crazy, but I, I like Disney enough that, like, I suffered through the bullshit of Kingdom Hearts and, and <laughs> kind of still came away enjoying those games. Yeah, this was definitely my uh, my last-minute uh, Game of the Year shift. Because I had a different pick earlier today that we're going to talk about in the honorable mentions, but, I'd, like, I was looking at my rack of 3DS and Wii U games, and I was like, you know what? I, I have nothing bad to say about this game. There are no caveats at all with this. That This was a really, really good experience. So only a couple hours before actually recording this, uh, Disney Magical World made its well-earned trek to the number two spot. Moving on to the number one Nintendo game of the year, Scott. Number one? <laughs> uh, so, one. so for me, we, we've already talked about it. It's, of course, Super Smash Brothers for Wii U. I had a feeling. Yeah, it, it's too good to not be number one. Um, it's just, it's so polished. And, and like you like you said, Neil, with, with what I was talking about with Mario Kart, the, like, the realization of the online mode, to me, just like cements this uh, yeah. as, as just being completely great. Because um, that, that was the biggest worry, right? Now, we we haven't that, played online, it's, have we? You and I, I, I don't think, think so. so. No, I, I think played, that's a testament to I how played, good the online is. That we both <laughs> had separate experiences. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I've played with I played with Zach some. I play with um Travis who listens to the show and stuff a lot, yeah. um, and 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 things like that. But yeah, it's just it's really fantastic. Um, and what I really love about it is for me. Brawl kind of the uh, part because the online didn't work and I didn't really have anyone to play with in in player wise. Um, but with this game, like there's a ton to do either playing online like nonstop or uh, you know doing a lot of single player stuff or playing yeah. properly with my wife, um, which is great. Like not just against computers, but all the different modes that you can play together. Yeah, no, it's awesome on, that all that's uh, on the couch. Yeah, yeah. So it just really it really works for me. I, there's so much love in this game. I love all the music, um, all the care that was put into it. Like you could tell, uh, Sakurai, like this was like a, a labor of love for him, and it, it really shows. I mean, so. he's basically been making labors of love with Smash Brothers for ten years, <laughs> at least. Mm. This one, I mean, yeah, this is this is a special game. I think it's I think it's the best in the series, um, not by far, because Melee, yeah, Melee is pretty incredible. But this is this I think it bests melee in ways that Brawl never did. Yep. Agreed. Neil, what is your number one? Um I I think mine might be a little obvious. It's Shovel Knight on Wii U and 3DS. Um I think uh, I mean Scott, you talking about Smash Brothers Wii U and how that was your number one kinda made me thinking about like, wow, I love Smash Brothers Wii U, but how did it get how did it get pushed down to number three on my list? And as I've talked about with Fantasy Life and also with Shovel Knight, is that Smash Brothers does not have the emotional draw that both Shovel Knight and Fantasy Life had for me. 
Um, I think the both of the both Fantasy Life and Shovel Knight are two of my most memorable gaming experiences, not just of 2014, but in probably the past five years. Um, Shovel Knight just nails that that retro aesthetic without being like slavish to it in ways that some other like retro themed games have done. Like Shovel Knight feels like a very very modern game in this this retro clothing. And I think that's why it works so well. And it also helps that, you know, it kind of calls to mind, like, everything that I grew up playing. Whether it's, you know, Super Mario Bros. 3 or or Zelda 2 or uh, Mega Man. Just all these different games that I, I have played, maybe not enjoyed all of them, but I have that base going into it. And then kind of, I mean, the music, also incredible. And the one thing that I think surprised me when I played it, because I, I played demos of it before it came out, expecting to enjoy it based on how it felt, is that the story actually really works well. Um, it's very simple, but it's just told in a way that's very effective. And the and not to spoil the ending of that game, but it just kind of builds to this point where the story comes to a conclusion and then the gameplay kind of reflects that conclusion in a way that I don't really see in games too often, especially... 2D platformers. Um, and it and says something. It just it, it says something that this is a game that you can spoil and that you're you're afraid of spoiling. Yeah. I mean it's it's like if if you play the game, you could probably guess the ending, but the way that they do it is just like, yeah, I get it. And it's like, I mean, by the time you by the time I hit the end credits, like it was the kind of thing where I'm playing it late at night on my 3DS getting to the end, I'm like, all right, I got to push through. I'm very close. And then I got to the end and it was just like, at the end of it, I, you know, had the single tear and was just like, wow, like I didn't expect that to happen. Like, I, I mean, I, I love this game in ways that I didn't think I would. And I expected going in, like I backed the damn game on Kickstarter. I expected going in there. I'm like, I'm going to really enjoy this game. And it blew, it blew away my already really high expectations for it. It's just so smartly designed. I would, I would say yeah. It's like, cause, like I, I, it's as I good. I can't wait to see everything else that these guys do. I think I made the comment after I finished it that uh, I don't want to play any more video games because after Shovel Knight, every other video game is bullshit. And it, after going <laughs> back to play, play, I played a couple of levels of Shovel Knight, uh, like a, when we first started doing our Game of the Year stuff for the site. And then I, I played it. I'm like, that was a mistake because now I don't want to play any other video games because this is, this is what I want. <laughs> I just want this game over and over again. Like, with a lot of independent games, one of the biggest problems is that they're trying so hard to uh, ape a lot of the classics from the past, but it's clear that, unfortunately, the people making it just... They're not Miyamoto. They're not... uh, They didn't make Mega Man. And I'm not saying this is as good as uh, Mario 3 or the Mega Man games, but, like, just in general, this game can can stick with the best of of that era. Like, it's that good. And uh, it's like... And then... It's just so smart how it has that classic, addicting, modern, challenging design, but then it adds modern stuff, too, like an actual plot you care about, and then, like, uh, just, I was playing it hey, today. you know what, man? Ninja Gaiden had a plot that I cared about. <laughs> he, got, like, he got shot by the girl, and then they're in love. Like, and they, they fight a demon. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> But then I was actually. You know what's really funny? The 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 story in Ninja Gaiden, I believe, was uh, that was like the first thing that the dude who did the story for Chrono Trigger worked on. Wow, that's amazing. Random aside, like when I found that out, I was like, oh, this kind of makes a lot of sense. He was trying to do stuff, and then he actually succeeded later in life. Yeah, 
I, I was playing it today, though, and just I, one thing that blows me away, and it's such a small thing, is uh, but and I've said it before on the podcast we did that was like 55 minutes long. Yeah, because it was basically me, Scott, or no, it was me, me, Andy, and Zach just basically jerking off to Shovel Knight for for an hour. <laughs> and uh, it's one thing that super impresses me and even blows me away is the fact that they take inspiration from games like Dark Souls. The fact that when you die, you don't lose a life, you drop your treasure, and you have to get back to where you uh, went yeah. to pick it up, or else you lose it forever. Like, it takes a lot of inspiration from modern games, too, and I think the game ends up being way better because of it. Definitely. Uh, excellent game. My number one... Let's go to your number one. My number one is what? a game where you can battle monsters in your pocket, and... Oh. It is. It follows right. a game. It follows a game widely considered one of the worst in the series. My number one game of the year for Nintendo is Super Smash Brothers for Wii U and 3DS. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, and it was. Touche. <laughs> I thought about this like five hours ago, and I'm like, I'm, I'm totally gonna throw him a bamboozle, and and I did. Do you want to know something funny? I actually almost bought uh, Omega Ruby or Alpha Sapphire today and then did not, because I'm like, nah, that probably, there are other games I'd rather play. Well, we'll talk about this when yeah. we get to the honorable mentions. Oh, I imagine. Uh, I, knew, I knew that wouldn't, that, that would crack your top five at a minimum. Uh, it, it, it did. Uh, Smash Bros. Wii U is, and 3DS, I, I put them together because I like both of them. I like the way the 3DS version looks a little more because I like the 3D and I like the way it pops, but the Wii U is obviously, uh, it's a better game. I have problems with this game. Like, it's, I think it has a content issue. I think it needs a little more content. And then I think that there are some ways that the content could have been better organized. I hate how, like, 90% of the content is locked behind this tiny screen. Like, I have problems with the front. The, the, menu, the menu in Smash Brothers Wii U and 3DS is so unsaccharai to me. Because, like, Kid Icarus and Melee and Brawl and even Kirby Air Ride have these, like, amazing menus that just make so much sense. And then you go to Smash Brothers Wii U and 3DS, and you're like, how the hell do I go play classic mode? <laughs> and it, it's 100% true. So I have problems with that. But you're wondering why I would put this at the top of my game of the year if I'm already shitting on it. It's because the characters and the gameplay is the best Smash Bros. has ever been, and I would argue maybe by far. I, I, would, I would say this is better than Melee, uh, substantially, because I think it, it finds a balance between having that super tight gameplay and then the more uh, accepting brawl gameplay. I think it finds a really good balance between those. Uh, totally. And the characters, there are more insanely unique characters in this game than there have ever been in the past. It's, uh, and, like, you got Villager, who controls nothing like a Smash character has before. Like, especially when you got things like his tree move and how a side smash is this bowling ball that drops. And then how he oh, can man. pick stuff I, up, like like I the was way playing, you do crossing. I was playing Smash Brothers with people who have uh, who have not played Smash Brothers, the new Smash Brothers before, and we're playing and like they're playing like the you know the guys they used to be really good at in melee, like one dude Sheik, one guy's like Zelda, and one guy's Link and stuff, and like they're it's the people that they've been playing with for ten years, and I I stroll in with Villager. <laughs> and just totally destroy them by dropping trees, hitting them with bowling balls, flying on that dumb gyroid thing through the air. Um, Villager is Villager is the best character of 2014 for me. I, I think um, so. Yeah. Like it was a revelation how much fun it was to play as him in Smash Brothers. And so, and then you got characters like Little Mac who have this insane gimmick where they are among the strongest characters in the game and 
he could very well be the strongest character in the game, but at the same time, he has horrific air game. His Mm -hmm. air game is atrocious, but just that all or nothing, like just ramming into battle and just total... And landing uh, that damn blitz. punch is so good. <laughs> that that fucking KO. It's it it feels amazing to play as Little Mac. It feels amazing to play as Villager. And then you have all these characters. It's they they got fifty two in the game, which is amazing. Yeah. You, you got more clones than ever before, but that's a result of having more. It's it's amazing gameplay. And even though I only played by myself, I cracked over fifty hours between both <laughs> versions. That's so just so playing good. by myself and being in that game, it's one of the most played games of this year, and that's fantastic. Uh, I would even argue that if there's never another Smash Bros. game again, I would probably be okay. It, it <laughs> seems like, and it's. I hope there's another Smash Bros. game where they have 65 characters and they're all secret and none of them are spoiled. I that that's that's a fantastic dream. Ridley, all that, fantastic. But what they have here, the 50 characters they have, I think they've put Smash at a good point. If the series was to, for some reason, die right now, we could play this for the next decade, and still be completely... I mean, that's kind of what I did with Melee. Exactly, (laughs) because Brawl was a total bust. Uh, Yeah, so there could really never be another Smash Bros. game, and I would be okay with it. Really fantastic. So, let's move on to our honorable mentions. Uh, Scott, what was your honorable mention or two? And we should be relatively quick, because we still got uh, downloads and news to cover after this. Yeah, and in fact, go ahead and skip past me. I didn't make a list of it. I had some ideas in my head, but I'm not going to waste any time talking All about right. games that weren't my top three. Okay. So go I'm going to mention uh, my my what is very solidly my number four is Theater Rhythm Final Fantasy Curtain Call. Um, if you really like the original, this is the original uh, on crack on steroids, and now you can download a Chrono Trigger song in it. It's the best. Um, <laughs> I, I love Final Fantasy Curtain Call. Um, I can't wait for Theater Rhythm, Dragon Quest. Uh, and then what's kind of been duking it out for my number five spot, uh, Smash 3DS, uh, for a lot of the reasons that have already been talked about. Uh, Captain Toad Treasure Tracker is a really special game, um, and it's definitely it's something that I'm still not all the way done with, but I've been loving it so much. And Kirby Triple Deluxe, I think, is one of one of the best Kirby games ever made, and I didn't even really expect it to be that good. And I just started playing it, and it's basically what I wanted, like, New Super Mario Bros. 2 and every other 3DS Nintendo-made platformer. Um, like, Kirby Triple Deluxe is what I wanted when I first heard that, oh, yeah, there's going to be a 3DS. I'm like, oh, they could do some cool stuff with 2D platformers. And that's what Kirby Triple Deluxe does. Um, yeah, those are those are my honorable mentions. Excellent. Uh, honorable mentions, Shovel Knight's up there. It's great. We already talked about it. Mario Kart 8. It's, uh, I just want to call out the fact that I hated this game before I even played it, and then by the time I actually did finally play it and did finally experience it after getting it on a Black Friday sale, I ended up growing to really like the game, and I think I put it at, like, my number 10 uh, overall multi-platform game of the year. Like, that, that's really good. Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, I won't be too uh, too long with that. You can hear the podcast I did with uh, Sarah B and Brian Rose with it. You can see the articles I wrote. It's a really great remake in a lot of ways, and it modernizes the concept, and it fixes a lot of the problems I have with uh, X and Y. I forgot the game in the last month. I almost completely forgot the game, but I could still remember Disney Magical World, a game I bought and played through in <laughs> April. And I think the reason for this is that the uh, the difficulty is so ridiculously low in Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire that it was it was just hard to 
to remember because I wasn't having the same challenge that I was when I was playing the original Ruby and Sapphire. And that could be because uh, I was younger and Pokemon was naturally more challenging. But, like, this is widely agreed upon by a lot of people that the difficulty in these new remakes is kind of pathetic. I will be uh, completely honest. That's kind of the same way that I feel about Pokemon X and Y uh, yep. a year later. Um, yep. Like, I, I enjoyed that game. I beat that game. And I was talking to someone and... I was talking to a friend of mine who hadn't beaten it, and he was like, oh, I'm at this part. And I'm like, what the hell is that? Like, I just don't remember specifics about that game. And it's not that I didn't enjoy it. Like, Halooch is amazing. But other than that, it's just like, I was going through the motions with that game, and I don't remember having that feeling when playing Heart Gold and Soul Silver and Diamond and Pearl. Like, those are games that I can still think back to and be like, oh, man, like, fighting the Elite Four, Diamond and Pearl, that was a bitch. Heart Gold and Soul Silver, um, playing that and going through that, having the dumb Poke Walker, like I had a ball with that game, and I remember a lot of that. X and Y, Halucha, uh, that's all I can think of. Yeah, and I think the biggest problem is that I think since X and Y, and maybe since Black Two and White Two, Pokemon has feel has felt like it's been made by committee, and and it it's probably also, is it's now. Yearly game too. It doesn't feel like it has the same heart it used to, and it, again, it could be because I'm older, but. Like, you look at the original uh, Red, Blue, Yellow, Silver, Gold, and even Ruby and Sapphire, and, like, those games are a little screwed up on a technical level. Like, there's some slightly unfinished areas. There's stuff that you have to look up to see where it went because there's just an empty cave with no item or Pokemon inside of it. <laughs> and then, but, but it has this heart to it. And, uh, and this one just feels too clean, too polished, and then has shit like the EXP share, which makes the game way too easy. But I digress. Uh, let's move on to Nintendo downloads this week. And there are a few related to Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. Pokemon Pinball Ruby and Sapphire. Uh, Game Boy Advance came out on the Wii U Virtual Console. That is a very good pinball game. I did not buy it on the Wii U Virtual Console. But uh, I remember that game because it has these two tables that seem like there's not that much at first. But then you explore it and there's all these bonus levels. And then there's all this other side shit. And then you can catch like... Maybe all 300 Pokemon, but at least a couple hundred just from exploring the table and playing all this stuff. And it's a lot like the original Pokemon Pinball in that way, where it seems small at first, but the more you dig into it, the, the more you see the uh, the majesty of its content. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, I, I, I went through a little bit of a Game Boy Advance buying spree when they were starting to be removed from GameStops because they, like, I... Um, I worked at a GameStop for about two months during a holiday season, in which it was like the last holiday season Game Boy Advance games were there, so I used my discount and a lot of deals to get a bunch, and I got Pokemon uh, Ruby and Sapphire Pinball. Did not enjoy it that much, actually. <laughs> um, I, and I, I like, I love Metroid Prime Pinball. Like, that's one of my under, one of my favorite underrated DS games, but for some reason the Pokemon Pinball game just didn't grab me. Sure. And I can't blame you, because it is it's a weird pinball game because it tries to be like halfway pinball game, halfway almost RPG at the same time. And it's, it's very unconventional. Uh, I personally love it, but I can understand why others don't. Bionic Commando on Game Boy Color came out on the 3DS virtual console today. Yeah. Some people seem to like it. I owned it as a kid. Uh, I do. I mean, I, I think I still own it, but I haven't played it probably since, I don't know. When did it come out? 1999, like 2001. Yeah. Um, uh, and I remember it being a lot of fun, and it was it holds the distinction of being the first game developed by NST, and maybe the last. I don't know. Um, NST is very quiet these days, 
Uh, I did want to note out, because I, I was curious when, when I realized we were getting to the downloads, I, I looked up the dude who directed Bionic Commando Elite Forces, which it's also worth pointing out that this isn't just a remake of the original. It's a substantially new original game um, that I will probably be downloading after we're done with this. Uh, it looks like the guy who directed this is now the VP of Creative Development at, like, 2K Games. Um, wow. He also worked on Fable 2, Viva Pinata, and, yeah. Fable 2's the good one, supposedly, I think, right? Yeah, I like Fable 2. Um, yeah. But then he worked on Fable 3. And the original Fable. He it seemed like maybe he was working at, a, whatchamacallit, Lionhead. Yeah. Working at Moby Games. But, yeah. No, this is a cool game. If you like Bionic Commando, I highly recommend checking it out. And then the other thing of note on the eShop this week is that Shovel Knight on Wii U and 3DS is 33% off until 8.59 a.m. Buy that On January 8th, I think that's like 10 bucks, uh, both of 3DS yeah, and Wii $10. Yeah, that's, that's a good price for what I got like 10 hours out of it at least. And then if you played past the uh, the new game plus, I could see that going to 15 or even 20. Yeah, I think I put about 15 into it. I also got really into the Street Pass on Shovel Knight. Um... I think it's some of my favorite Street Pass stuff ever. Sure. Also, um, Unepic is on sale this week, um, which I know like it was definitely going to get buried uh, under all the Shovel Knight news in that sale because Shovel Knight is obviously very highly regarded. But Unepic is a is a pretty good Wii U virtual or not virtual console. Yeah, I remember reading an IGN review. I didn't really agree with the guy. He seemed uh, like on the take or something. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is another review I wrote. And I was on the take for that hot 7.0 <laughs> review that I gave it. Um, but it's good. It's definitely like that. Like a, I mean, similar to Shovel Knight, it's very much an 8-bit sort of adventure game uh, send-up. Um, but it's it's pretty funny. It's it's not, like, great. I mean, it has some balance issues, but it, it, it's fun. And I think now it's also on sale for, like, 10 bucks. Um, and I'd say it's worth that. It's very challenging. Um, but, yeah, it, it's pretty good. So Excellent. Uh, also, uh, just while we're talking about sales, I did buy an eShop game uh, today. I bought Devil Survivor Overclocked from Atlas because they're doing a holiday sale through uh, January 6th. It's on, it's on sale every other week. I know. <laughs> I know and I, I've always been watching it. Like, I know yeah. the one's coming out. I Same here, actually. Devil was... Survivor Overclocked is like the one Atlas game on 3DS that I don't own. And, it's and I've always been very intrigued by that series. Um, but I, I just have a feeling I'd buy it. Like, I have... I have stupid Persona Q on my system and I haven't touched it yet. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I regretted buying it a little bit because uh, Stealth on Twitter, uh, I was asking him for advice, like, should I get it? I have this $5 eShop credit, and then he, he sold it pretty well, so I bought it for, like, 10 bucks. And then I asked, I, after I bought it, I asked him how long it was, and he said 40 hours. So, yeah. So I, I don't know if that's ever happening, but uh, it's I got that game now. Yeah. It's, uh, oh, yeah, and then there's a huge Capcom sale that I also recommend everyone check out. I don't know how long it's lasting or even if it's still going on, uh, but there's uh, Street Fighter 4 was like 8 bucks, Resident Evil Revelations and Mercenaries 3D, both great games, also 8 bucks. Yeah. So, um, I, guess, I guess we're talking sales just in general. I don't even know yeah. if some of the shit's still going on, but for, I have a little mini 3DS buying spree recently. Um, I got Starship Damray, which we talked about last week. I still haven't played it yet. <laughs> I also got Moon Chronicles. That that was on sale. Uh, and the other episodes for Moon Chronicles should be coming out soon. And I got Retro City Rampage DX, which I played the original version of Retro City Rampage and did not get into it, and the DX version blows it out of the water. Um, and that game's way more fun when it's not the original kind of busted version. 
Yeah, I think that's still three bucks on the eShop. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it switched on the sales today. Uh, but yeah, if, if it's still three bucks, you you should probably get that. It's like 2D uh, retro GTA. Uh, so that's good. There you go. All right, moving on to news. Uh, it's uh, I I feel bad speeding through the actual news portion of Nintendo News Report, but it's uh, it's <laughs> we'll no get back to normal soon soon enough. Yeah, it's, yeah. In fact, next week I'm gonna go out of my way to make this an all new show. But it's 15, 20 minutes for two stories. I I think we can do it. Uh, Kirby Amiibo. Uh, they detailed the Kirby Amiibo and Kirby and the Rainbow Curse. The Amiibo for Kirby, King DDD, and Meta Knight will give you a helping hand in Kirby and the Rainbow Curse. The Kirby Amiibo will let you star dash at any time. The DDD one lets you wear a king's hat to get more health. And the Meta Knight one puts his mask on you and improves your attack. Kirby's Amiibo is available now, while King DDD... I should note that I'm just reading Neil's news story. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this all sounds very familiar. <laughs> Kirby's Amiibo is available now, while King DDD and Meta Knight are coming out uh, alongside the third wave in February. In North America, Mennonite is a Best Buy exclusive. But the most important thing, and at least the most interesting thing to me in this story, is that Kirby and the Rainbow Curse in Japan will be priced the same as Captain Toad Treasure Tracker, which yeah. is like that 40 bucks. And then the below trailer confirms the game will have 20 story levels and 40 challenge ones. That's the right price for this game. $40 yeah. is the right price for this. No more, no... It's I love that Nintendo's doing this mid-tier thing now. Yeah, I, I agree. Um... And I think that the Amiibo support in Kirby and the Rainbow Curse seems really lame. Um, also, <laughs> yeah. if you want Meta Knight Amiibo because you saw that you can wear his mask in Kirby and the Rainbow Curse and you do not already have a Meta Knight Amiibo pre-ordered, good fucking luck. You're not getting, you're not getting a Meta Knight Amiibo. <laughs> you um, take such evil pleasure in that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, just, I mean, it's just another example of the Amiibo thing being a total shitstorm. Because it's like, oh, yeah, I think I, you know, my kid's in the Kirby. Maybe I'll get in the DDD and the Meta Knight when they come out so we can use them in the game. And then guess what? No, you already lost mom. Like, <laughs> you're not getting them. Shit's uh, fucked. That's I, all I I'm going to say. I wonder how expensive Amiibo's ultimately going to get if they don't reprint these. Like, is there really, is there really never going to be a villager shipment ever again? Is there really never going to be a Marth shipment ever again after how much people are already talking about uh, how highly wanted these figures are. I think they got to do at least one more big run of these. No, no, they're going to release them in, in POG form. Do you really think that they're, they're not even going to do a second figure run? You I mean, I'll be completely honest at this point. I have no effing idea. Um, right. They, I mean, I think the comment from Miyamoto that might have been the closest thing to anyone at Nintendo directly addressing this and not just hopelessly avoiding it, um, when he made the comment that people will still be able to be able... They'll still be able to use... Uh, those amiibo by possibly in card form. Um, right, right. So it's like, you know, let's say in some hypothetical world where on Animal Crossing Wii U, Villager does something. Um, if you don't have the Villager amiibo, then you might be able to, like, buy a card or something, or maybe a card will come with the game that uses, that is able to do the amiibo ability uh, without being a figure. Um, but we'll kind of see. I, I think at this point that Nintendo likely has several ideas of what they're going to do with Amiibo for the next few years. I would imagine at this point, they probably have 2015 Amiibo's plan uh, all mapped out, but I wouldn't be surprised if there were, like, two or three options that they kind of settled on after seeing what happened with, uh, you know, Amiibo in the past two months, which is insanity. Uh, yeah. Well, that they're going to have to do something like, like the card system, because really what Amiibo are, are shaping up to be now 
versus something like, I mean, I guess it's still similar to something like Skylanders, Disney Infinity, but it's just a single game. But kind yeah. of what it, we're shaping up to be now is like it's DLC that you buy once and they can use in a variety of games and, and possibly in, in many games to come over the next few years. Yeah. So limiting that, having that not available to everyone is a huge mistake. I mean, what makes DLC successful is that it's there. Anyone can buy it at any time. Well, so you kind of need that that card I, that you know you need that needs to be available to everyone, especially in yeah. situations like this. This is going to be the first time where we're really. I mean, I know you can use everyone in Smash Brothers, but this is going to be the first instance where like an amiibo really like, I, like not drastically changes the game, but has like. So I, I think the ultimate future for the amiibos on. Uh... On Wii U is to ultimately be the e-reader packs, but they're trying that again. I think yeah. this was this is uh, like a test for an idea. Nintendo never disappears; it just gets right. repurposed. So I, I think just my imagination, yeah. the way this is uh, this is going, and I actually just talked about this with James and Johnny on the upcoming RFN, which is should be coming out relatively soon. But yeah. I think the I way we're going to do this. Nonsense. I, <laughs> you recorded uh, this before, but it's going to come out after what? <laughs> So so the way I think this is going to go is for like four or five dollars, depending on how much these uh these actually cost to uh, produce these chips. I think there's gonna be packs of like five cards, and then it could be like Villager for Smash Bros, two Mario Party cards, a Captain Toad card, and maybe like a a Kirby card that's yeah. special to this game. And then they're gonna be like select like one fifty is gonna be one of these cards, and then one in a uh, 2000, like almost like a baseball pack, is going to be the super rare yeah. variant, and that's how they're going to get the collectors mark, mark, excuse me, the collectors market going, while uh, at the same time making them available to anyone. And if you have only cards available and you don't have cards and figures, no one feels like they're getting the shittier version because all you have to uh, trade with is cards. You're already getting the best deal. So I think that's where all this is going. Five cards, uh, all the games are accounted for, and then they might release figures when there's something with save data comes out. I, I don't think that will work. Um, mm-hmm. Or else, to be completely honest, then why don't we have Skylanders cards and Disney because, cards? They, because I think they know what they're doing way better than Nintendo does right now at this specific thing. I guess if you, if you don't have a lot of faith in Nintendo, then yes, they probably will go to cards and also the 1980s. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's my thing with it is, and it's kind of what bothers me about how Nintendo's handling it, is that there's already two pretty good blueprints as to how to do this. And, yeah, you know what, Skylanders first year, it was really hard to find some of those, but then eventually they printed everything, and then you could pretty easily find those. And the really popular ones that maybe people didn't find, they did reposes of them next year, which, so maybe, uh, I mean, Animal Crossing Wii U might be coming out next fall. Um Maybe there will be a, a different model of villager that will do the same thing that he does in Smash Brothers and also have something in Animal Crossing or something along those lines. Sure. Um, and with Disney Infinity, like, I actually don't remember if there was any kind of like like clusterfuck going on with Disney Infinity figures when it first came out. Um, but even still, like, both Disney Infinity and Skylanders, you look at them in store, I mean, they're pretty well stocked. If you want to find something, it's usually not impossible. So, obviously, Nintendo got kind of caught with their pants down as far as Mart's, you know, rarity, same with Villager and Wii Fit Trainer and all that jazz. And I hope that they find their footing sometime within the next couple months. 
Um, you've also, I don't know if you guys have, I mean, I'm really deep into following the Amiibo stuff at this point, but there's also apparently some kind of, like, like shipping shipment strike over on the West Coast that's uh, supposedly affecting the Amiibo supply in America, which is, might be why it's a little worse in America as it is Europe and Japan. Um, but, I mean, it's just, it's a special brand of nonsense going on with the Amiibo right now. It's all completely silly, uh, but, but still but incredibly don't interesting. Don't forget, Miyamoto said that they're going to do something cool in Mario Party 10. I, you know what? I, I believe them, and I think that might be cards, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, I also just want to add very quickly, before we move on to our final story, that Kirby and the Rainbow Curse looks amazing. And especially in that new trailer, it's like it seems like that could be like one of the best looking Wii U games or it Nintendo games I've ever gorgeous. seen. The claymation, it's straight up gumby ass claymation. It's so gorgeous. <laughs> it's uh yeah, and at forty dollars, if they put it out at forty dollars, that I'll get that. I'll get the disc version of that. that. That's all mine. And come next February. Awesome. Lastly, let's talk briefly about this uh, interview Sakurai did, Masahiro Sakurai did with Nintendo Dream about uh, Smash Bros. Wii U and 3DS as some kind of like post-mortem almost. And I pulled some choice quotes and notes about things they did in the game. I will read through them quickly. Uh, On Greninja, he noted that Greninja, before his name was decided, I received several illustrations. I took them home in the evening, and around midnight I had already done all his actions, normal moves, special moves and post pictures and sent them around asking, what do you think? And what <laughs> this, this is super interesting because if that, if he did this, uh, Greninja has this move called water shuriken. And I think it's called water shuriken. It's the move where he makes a throwing star, a big old throwing star out of water. And I wonder if his idea for the move in smash bros ended up inspiring the move in Pokemon X and Y, which was a new move in that game as well. So uh, th- that's super interesting to me. And then uh, Nintendo Dream commented, that's incredible speed, uh, just doing it in one night. By the way, when deciding on which characters to use, are you looking into unreleased new games? At the very beginning, I did that. And then I just want to note, this time our project proposal is dated May 2012. At that time, all characters were decided already. So <laughs> a few months after Kid Icarus came out, Sakurai already knew all 51 uh, fighters that were going to be in the game. And, that's, uh, that's crazy. Yeah, and uh, as he also noted that Bowser Jr. was on the brink of being cut, but made it when staff put their heads together and made it happen. Who, by the way, is one of the most inventive characters in that game. Yeah, um, and, and maybe, I mean, he doesn't really go into detail as far as I know from the interview. Uh, I mean, maybe part of the reason why I got held up is because they had the idea to do the the color variants, be all the different Koopalings. Um, right. But, I mean, it is it is... It is nice to see that, like, he was like, we're going to have to cut this, and everyone's like, no! It's like that one that one bold female designer who made uh, the Zero Suit Samus in the bikini. Mm. That one brave female designer. Also <laughs> saved Bowser Jr., perhaps. <laughs> and, uh, actually, now that you're talking about the, uh, the alts, he was talking about that for the return of Dr. Mario. How, when he was originally doing Mario, he originally planned Dr. Mario as, like, one of Mario's costume alts. But because he knew uh, how much people liked Dr. Mario's alt costumes, including his personal favorite and my personal favorite, the uh, the one where it's Dr. Mario in black and he looks like a back alley yeah. doctor. Yeah. Dude, I used to play as, as the black doctor all the time. <laughs> and uh, my jam in Melee. And so he put characters like him and Dark Pit in the game, it seems, 
just because it seemed like making them a character uh, like color wasn't enough. Though at the same time, this also meant that characters like Wolf weren't even good enough to be a clone uh, this time around. I mean, uh, to be fair, uh, I mean, well, I guess I mean with Wolf, like you can kind of alter Fox's moves to make it very close to Wolf. Yeah. Um, and then you even have the Wolf outfit, uh, like sure. with the, the alternate special abilities. Sure. Although I really think that they could have uh, made Wolf uh, a Fox alt. If they yeah. wanted to, but that's... Well, I mean, they, they yeah. do. Like, they, there is a costume, there is an alternate Fox costume that looks a lot like Wolf. Right. Uh, and then, most interesting is he talked about Duck Hunt's inclusion, and he made a lot of interesting points when he was talking about Duck Hunt. And just when they were asking, like, why Duck Hunt, as uh, Sakurai said, try to have a look at sales numbers. It might be the most sold shooting game in the world. And that's obviously because it was sold with the NES outside of Japan. But if you look up the worldwide numbers, you come with you come up with a huge number of games sold. So he tried to create a character that he thought would be appropriate. Uh, he thought it would be appropriate to include a character based on Duck Hunt, and it wasn't always a candidate. It seemed like it just made sense now. But it was fun to do Duck Hunt and a shooting style presentation. Like it, he said, like having a third person intervening in the action, being able to say it's actually a trio having the duck, the dog, and having someone shoot off screen, yep. that was super fun. And he said that's how he finalized it during the development of the concept, saying that's how we can make it work, by uh, making it actually a trio and not just the dog. So that's all super cool. And it's, it's so interesting to see how uh, these games get made. Almost yep. in the same way that I want a Pokemon Historia, if they did a, uh, a Smash Historia, just with like all this cut information, and, and yeah, like include Kid Icarus too. Just all I mean, of his games. Well, I mean, yeah. he, or, or maybe the period where he straight up left the company. Like, really, <laughs> I want someone to do a biography on Sakurai because, I mean, you can go through his kind of bland early years where he just did Kirby for a decade. Not that those games aren't bad, but, like, that's all he did. And then, like, that, that weird demo that led to Smash Brothers, then him getting really fed up and leaving in, like, what, after Kirby Air Ride. And then him being brought back by his buddy Iwata, who is who is now president of the company. Like, screw the console wars movie. I want to see this be a movie. Right, and he was talking about all this weird stuff. How uh, he was, uh, how he had a really odd role with Smash Bros. Brawl, this game, and Kid Icarus, because those games were basically made by this weird mishmash of people pulled from all these different places. Yeah. And he was talking about Bandai Namco, how. He chose them specifically because he didn't want to do that anymore. Yeah. And he wanted the one company who would be able to handle a huge fighting game like Smash Bros. Yeah, uh, and I, just, I think he, he made the right decision. Because with Brawl, like, what was it? Like, Hal Labs helped out, uh, Game Arts helped develop it. Um, there, I mean, I think there was at least, like, five companies that worked on that. With Kid Icarus, it was just a kind of this weird super team. That was what, uh, well, Project Sora, I think, was the, yeah, yeah, because his company's Sora. And then Project mm-hmm. Sora was the specific team assembled for, for Kid Icarus Uprising. I'm, I'm also curious to see whatever he does next. Like, I just, I mean, I, I, I'm fascinated by the man. He is, he's one of my favorite developers. Thank uh, you for I, watching I, I, this installment of Nintendo News Report, and be sure to tell us everything you liked and disliked in the comments, because we want to give you the best show possible. I would like to thank Neil and Scott for joining me. Neil can be found on Twitter at Enron10, and Scott at OKSoda. And, uh, and by the way, that's spelled N-R-O-N, the number 10, and at OK in the word soda, and I can be found at C-U-L-A-F-I-A. That'll be all. Cool. all thank right, you thanks. so much. Bye-bye.
Bye. All right, and that will do it for this episode of Connectivity. As always, you can send your listener mail and music submissions to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. I'll be sure to rate and review us on iTunes if you haven't done that yet, and follow all of us on Twitter. Go to nintendoworldreport.com and look for the Twitter sidebar on the right-hand side of the page, and you'll find all of our usernames there. We will see you next week.